Mindfulness Mode 441. Isn't about having some grandiose vision. It's really just having a crystal clear picture of what you want to achieve. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness right here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Lankford. Welcome back, everybody. So glad to have you here. I'm grateful for all of you, my listeners. Do you ever have trouble falling asleep? Or do you have trouble, you know, maybe you fall asleep and then you wake up and fall asleep again and wake up? Well, I have a sleep naturally guided meditation, which has helped so many people not only fall asleep, but stay asleep and have a deep sleep. You can fall asleep easily. You can download my free sleep naturally meditation right here at mindfulnessmode.com forward slash sleep. Now today we're talking about making things happen. We're talking about the mindfulness of execution. She wrote The Execution Factor, which is an awesome book. I read it cover to cover and totally enjoyed it. And I agree with these concepts. Sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview today with Kim Perrell. Hey, Mindful Tribe, we are going to be talking all about, well, one thing, because her book is about one thing and one thing that can help you to be successful, help you to feel good in your life, help you to move forward. I'm here with Kim Perrell. Hey, Kim, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am, Bruce, <laughs> I am. I, I, I try to be every day. That's wonderful. Kim Perel is an award-winning entrepreneur and she's a best-selling author. She's also an angel investor and a tech CEO. She was laid off from her first job at 23 years old and wow, was she devastated when that happened. That was an internet startup. And then she started her first company of her own from her kitchen table using $10,000 given to her from her grandmother. Now, by the age of 30, she had become a multi-millionaire. What kind of story is this? This doesn't happen too often. She believes her successes are due to her ability to execute. And she loves to teach others how to use this skill as well. And she's now written her first national best-selling book called The Execution Factor, The One Skill That Drives Success. So I'm excited to be here with you, Kim. This is really great. What does mindfulness mean to you? Oh, thanks, Bruce. Excited to be here too. And I think for me, mindfulness is really just being in the moment and just being in tune with the thoughts and feelings that I'm having and really just living in the present. And I, I feel that's very, from my perspective, just it's been really helpful in, in, in executing, I guess you could say, in executing every area of my life. And I think that even just goes to, you know, this morning here in San Diego, it's raining and that's not, you know, not a lot of rain down here, but we, my two five-year-olds dressed up in all their raincoats and we went and Flashed in the rain. So just being in the present, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, and just enjoying, enjoying that moment. 
That's awesome. That really is. I can I can remember when my son was five and we used to go out and play in the rain or play in the mud, you know, and, and just have so much fun. And why not? You know, like little children just thrive on that kind of thing, don't they, Kim? They do. They do. They love it. And, you know, it reminds you, it's like the joy of being five, you know, is so present. And so in that moment, it, you know, they're probably the, the most mindful yeah. Well, Kim, I went to your website and I took your free execution success test. And I thought that was kind of fun. And I found out that my trait is resilience. So oh. what does that say about me? Oh, it says that, well, actually, it's really interesting. Being resilient is key to success because life's going to throw you a lot of curveballs. And I think on the road to success or in any area of your life, there'll be detours and dead ends and roadblocks and you have to be resilient and it's going to hurt and it's going to be hard, but you have to be willing to keep going no matter what life you know throws at you. And I think that's a great trait to, to lead with. And it's interesting, you know, there's five traits of execution, but resilience really is key to be able to, you know, be able to pick yourself up after you've been knocked down. Yeah, well, that's for sure. And your website is KimLPerel.com, right? There's an L in there. Am I right about that? Nope. I think just Kim Perel. Well, then that must have, <laughs> that must have been my, <laughs> my finger doing some crazy thing. So, so here we go again. So your website is KimPerel.com and that's K-I-M-P-E-R-E-L-L. Dot com. And uh, so, yeah, you should go there and check out the test. It's called the Execution Success Test. So, Mindful Tribe, listening today, yeah, check out that test because it it is really, really interesting to go through that. But Kim... Did you feel it was accurate, Bruce? Did you feel I, that resilience, that trait was accurate for you? Yeah, I think the fact that I have over 420 episodes on my podcast means something about <laughs> resilience. <laughs> because exactly. it's not the easiest thing to keep churning out interviews and episodes all the time. But it's it's exciting and it's fun because I get to talk with special people like you, Kim. So <laughs> I think that's what, you know, part of what resilience is all about. But there, there are five traits that propel great execution. And you talked about all of those in your book. And the first one is vision. So let's talk about vision, Kim. Great. And I think vision, you know, it isn't about having some grandiose vision. It's really just having a crystal clear picture of what you want to achieve. And what that means is it could be anything. So it could be from wanting to let's just say run a marathon to Ryan wanting to run a mile. It could be from starting a first company to selling a company. It could be to get your, get a degree, take an art class. It, you know, it actually could be anything, but it's something so clear in your mind that you, you can feel it in your heart. And that takes us to the next one, which is passion. So how much passion do you need to have? <laughs> You're going to have to have a lot of passion. So <laughs> the way I look at passion is really, you know, it's really interesting. So passion comes from the Latin root word of pain or suffering. And so it's not just about doing what you love, it's doing what you would, you know, what you would gladly suffer for. And I think when you're looking at in order to achieve any vision, your podcast, uh, building a business, selling a business, you're really, it's going to be hard. You're going to have to, there's going to be times when you have to stay up late, you're going to have to wake up early, when you're going to want to watch TV and you're going to have to, 
you know, keep going and probably not do that. So you're going to have to make choices. And it's about having that passion, you know, that's aligned to your vision. That's really important. Well, I can really feel the passion in your book. That's for (laughs) sure. I have it here, the execution factor, but I loved what you put near the beginning of the book. You told your reader to think of the traits of execution as being like the forces of nature around us. The sun is vision. The water is passion. Fire is action. Earth is resilience, and the winds are relationships. Beautiful, harmonious, and powerful and balanced, but potentially dangerous in extremes. So <laughs> let's talk about those dangers that can happen. Yeah, I think, well, if you're talking specifically on a relationships, and I have, uh, and I'm sure you read it in the book, something that I do that's called a life audit. And I started this many, many years ago, and it's been really critical and key to my success. And that's really looking at who you're spending your time with. And are they inspiring you and energizing you? Are they helping pursue, helping you get the strength you need to pursue your vision? Or are they just depleting your energy and, you know, toxic to your, your mental, your mental strength and, and really making an assessment. So I do this every year. I make a, I make a list. It's very simple. It's a very quick. You, you put a plus on one side and minus on the other. And you make a list. Of, let's just say of the top five to 10 people that you spend the most time with. And really characterizing which people you're spending the time with that, that actually are you know, really building you up and which ones aren't. And then honestly, I make a point to spend less time with the people you know, that that really aren't there supporting me to achieve my dreams and that, you know, are really draining on me. And, you know, honestly, it's been such a powerful process because it also makes space for you to put new energy and people into your life. And I think that's the biggest thing I've gotten from it is I'm always meeting and finding new people, you know, that really, you know, I I feel like I can add a lot and contribute to and, and, and as well as, you know, get, get a lot of value from that relationship as well. So I think it's been a hugely powerful process. And I think just looking based on my own experience, having people that are, you know, where they keep calling and you just know, you don't want to pick it up and your whole body goes, don't pick up the phone, don't pick up the phone. And then you just listen them for, you know, I have, you know, hours, right? Yeah. Yeah. You wrote a whole article about that for Oprah, didn't you? (laughs) I did. I did. I I just feel so passionately that if everyone audited their life, they would be in a much happier place personally. So obviously your friends, you know, your, your family is much harder to audit out, but just, I think then balancing time, you know, as you spend with people that take away your energy, spending more time with people that are lifting you up. So it's really a balance. Yeah, it is a balance. And you talk about schedules in your book and and you use Stephen Covey's quote, don't just think it. Well, well, no, his his quote is the key is not to prioritize what's on your schedule, but to schedule your priorities. And that's a very 100%. powerful, yeah, a powerful quote. And and you titled your chapter, Don't Just Think It, Ink It. And that was that was very clever too. I really like that. But What can we do to improve the way we schedule our lives? I think first it comes down to prioritization. So knowing that in, and why the book's title is chapter that is because if you write something down, the likelihood of being successful is 10 times. So really from any individual's perspective, why there's no downside. You know, you have to write it down. You have to put it somewhere. You're going to see it every day. 
And I put mine on my bathroom mirror so I can see what my vision is every single day. And that way at night, when I go to bed, I remember what my priorities are when the morning, first thing I see it. So it really keeps my priorities top of mind because the day to day of life, you know, definitely gets a lot of distractions. So it's really ensuring that I'm continuing to prioritize what's most important, you know, for me uh, to continue to achieve my dreams. Yeah. And I think it's yeah, really well, it powerful. obviously has been very powerful. You've been so successful as an entrepreneur. I would call you wildly successful as an entrepreneur, you know, based on your book, you know, <laughs> you you tell about your your story, but it was such a pleasure to read your book because it was an easy read. It was a lot of fun, but at the same time, you're really digging in and telling us important things to do. And my wife, at one point, she looked at me when I was reading the book and she said, is this lady a comedian? Because I kept laughing about some of your stories when you were three <laughs> years old, stringing up a, a sheet because you had this desire to make a hammock. I mean, how innovative you were. And then at five years old, you wanted a swimming pool. So tell us what you did then. I was laughing about that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I put some towels out in my bathroom. I got some cups and I just started putting water on the bathroom floor. <laughs> yeah, my parents were not, not pleased, but yeah, no. I, I definitely had a vision in mind of what I wanted and I definitely was not getting a swimming pool. So the bathroom floor sounded just as good to me. <laughs> well, you still spend a lot of time with your mom. It sounds like your mother has been a very, very powerful influence on you as well as your father. Yes, they, I really feel very blessed and grateful for having both of them in my life. And I think just looking back, they've made such a difference and they've been a huge support system for me as I continue, you know, and, and different, definitely, you know, from the book, you, they're very different too, I'd say. Definitely opposites attracted in that in that case. <laughs> right. And your your mother works with you in your business, does she not? No, she actually does consulting for vision and values for companies. So she'll come and consult for the business okay. definitely and work with us, which is amazing. And she is my first phone call for anything people related. She's definitely heart-minded and probably one of the mindful, you know, most mindful people I know. And she definitely has been such a great uh, supporter. And I call them my board of directors of life. So they're a great board. <laughs> Anyone can build a board of directors. They just need to pick, you know, people that around them that they're looking, you know, looking to have help them, you know, and give advice. And I think just being able to ask for that help is really important. Sure. And and you did talk about how your mother came into your business and consulted and helped you with just how you were doing things, how you were operating as a leader and all those kinds of things. Yeah, I remember that. You told the story in the book of the NBA star Walter Bond. Why do you love his story so much? <laughs> I just think it's a really, you know, it's really important. And I think it just really is a good reflection of, of, of individuals and what individuals can, can accomplish, um, yeah. in life. Right. And it's, you know, it's really inspiring, I guess, more than anything. Sure is. Yeah, it sure is. Well, you had lots of stories in there, including the story of Anima. I'm not sure how to say her name. On, uh, on, I'm going to say Aniyama. Aniyama. She's from a Nigerian village. And, and it was such a powerful way to start the chapter on fear of flying. Tell us a little bit about that, that woman. 
Oh my goodness. Well, I, I too have fear of flying, right? So I yeah. get it. And it's like how to overcome your fears and despite, and move forward despite your fears and, and what yeah. you can accomplish. You know, it, it's interesting when you look back and everyone, I think faces fears every single day. And what are you willing to do? And I think that goes back to the passion, right? Like what are you willing to sacrifice for or overcome despite the fear that lies ahead? And I think when you, when you look at things, you know, things that are stopping people from achieving greatness and the greatness is that is within them. It's, it's those fears. And how do you, you know, how do those overcoming those, you know, really result in something extraordinary. And that's really what that story is about. Yeah, sure. Sure is. Well, tell me what you've learned about mindfulness from your two young children. You have twins. Tell us about that. (laughs) I do. So I have, yes, I have five-year-old twins and I think really, you know, they're just pure joy. And it's interesting. So I'm a, I'm a twin as well. So growing up, you know, it's interesting just looking back and self reflecting on my life and looking back at how I was raised. And it's, you know, I, I definitely would like to say, and it, you know, partly in parts of the book, you know, when I grew up, I can remember my own sister uh, being bussed off with my older brother to the talented and gifted program that you know, was, was, uh, two schools away and I'd sit on, yeah. on the, you know, on the sidewalk and was, you know, I could remember being sad and just wondering, well, I was, you know, with a, was she smarter than me? Cause you know, genetically we had the same DNA and, right. uh, B, you know, why couldn't I go? And I can remember, you know, and I think this goes back to my own twins is my mom actually said, you know, she reminded me of that great quote, which is, comparison is the thief of joy. And mm. I should not, or would not, you know, at that point you're, you're, I don't know, eight years old thinking, Oh, okay, well, is she better? Is she smarter? You know, what about me? And the reality mm. is, is that everyone has their unique gifts and these can't, you know, maybe can't be measured by a test. And so comparing myself to her, you know, we're not going to make me happy. And I think that quote really embodied it in encouraging my twins not to focus on being the same, you know, but to be the best version of themselves, whatever that looks like and doing the best version of them, which, you know, they are different and embracing their unique talents, just as, you know, we, and my, my parents embraced the unique talents of me and my twin sister. And I think it's interesting being a twin, you know, having that, uh, you know, that self-reflection of you are similar, but you're so different. And I think that differences actually is what makes you unique and special. And I think reminding my own twins, the same thing. And, you know, one might run faster than the other, but one can probably jump higher. So just remembering your, you know, that those differences are really important, especially as you grow up. Yeah, they really are. I want to ask you about meditation. Do you meditate? Is that part of your life? Oh my gosh. I have this amazing grounding mat <laughs> that I, okay. I I am on for eight minutes twice a day. I got hooked from my girlfriend in Germany and mm-hmm. that is part of my daily life. So uh, it's a, I guess my form of meditation, which, you know, it's been hugely beneficial and really, really positive for myself. Well, so tell us more about it. Do you, do you stand on it then? Or do you sit yeah. on it? Do you close your eyes? What do you do? Oh my goodness. No. So I lie on it and it's so easy to use. You lie on it and you relax. You just, you know, you close your eyes and 
think, you know, think about nothing and think about what the sounds that you can hear and, you know, what's outside. I sit, I live at the beach, so I can hear the waves. And it's just like a eight minutes twice a day, just lying there, um, just in my own mind, which is really, you know, being grateful for just my, my own life. And I think it's been, it's a great way to calm my mind and just rebalance. You talked about some of your biggest fears in the book. What's one of your biggest fears in your life now? Oh my gosh, probably my children. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I just, you know, in this world today, I really just, you know, it's interesting when you look back and the most important thing I, you know, what I try to teach them above all else is kindness. I think, you know, in a technology driven world, just making sure you're, you know, you're teaching your children the most important aspects of being human. Um, And that's, you know, that's, that's the scariest, I guess that's my biggest fear today is just making sure I'm, I'm creating and uh, helping build, you know, the next generation of, of um, individuals to help the, you know, to help pay it forward. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kim, were you ever bullied? Do you have a story about bullying you can share with us where mindfulness would have made a difference? Or maybe you were a bully at times. Oh, my goodness. I don't. I I, I definitely have. I was definitely bullied. <laughs> and I can remember, I, you know, it's crazy. I can remember actually going, but, you know, I, I, I would... There's like a 7-Eleven next to my house. I had to stay in it because there was bullies outside. And I think just being mindful that I wasn't leaving the 7-Eleven until they left. But, uh, right. that, <laughs> you know, that, that was, you know, honestly, it's fear. And I think, you know, looking back, it's sad, actually. And I think that's why when I look at my own children, just trying to raise them for kindness, I think it goes back to that same trait, right? And looking at yeah. kindness being a very important trait that if you can... You know, if you can give that trait to your children, kindness and confidence, I think, is really important in terms of how they will show up in the world and how they can step into their own greatness. So I think that would be, looking back, uh, still scared, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to change it other than just know that, you know, be more aware of my own self and that, you know, this wasn't about me, obviously, and it was just the, the situation. Right, right. Well, Kim, I know you love dogs and you own an English Mastiff named Tank. What has Tank taught you about mindfulness? Oh my gosh, I love it. Well, I'll tell you with his slobber. So my dog is 220 <laughs> pounds, right? <laughs> yeah. And somehow in the slobber, you just forget. You don't care. You just want to love on him and hug on him. And he is the sweetest lap dog for 220 pounds that you can possibly imagine. So I think it just goes back to being really present and just enjoying the moment, you know, for because a dog is so happy just to see you every day. They just are so happy to be there. And I think that's the joy of being a child, a dog, an animal. Like that's the joy of being human is if you can actually be present, it makes such a difference in your relationships. I think one, right. Just being there. And, you know, I think technology right now, it's really hard um, because everyone's always on their phone, every checking their phone, looking at their, I, I think it's a distraction and it distracts you from really some beautiful things that are probably happening right around you. 
Yeah, that's true. I, I think that's right. When you talked about vision in the book, you say, think big and bring your vision to life by visualizing what it'll look like when you execute it at the highest level. And then you said, but just be careful that it's based somewhere in reality and it's not wishful thinking. So how do you draw that line between the two? Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard because you want you want to think big, but you also have to know, you know, in order to start a company or in, in my example is really in starting a business is, you know, I would say, don't quit your day job. It's like, my concern is people think big and then they throw their entire uh, life and, you know, and savings into the big idea without actually having a practical use case or someone that you know, there's demand for it. And I think that's just bridging the reality to the dream. So it, before starting, I always recommend you have a great idea, like start small, right? So if your big idea is to start a new uh, juice stop, right? That's great. But you should start selling juice to your neighbors, to your friends on the, on the, you know, on the farmer's market instead of quitting your job and then um, and then starting it, which, you know, is expensive, takes time and may not, you know, be based in reality of the demand. So it's just really being pragmatic and also surrounding, it goes back to relationships, asking others if it's real, you know, is there, you know, have some harsh criticism, you know, feedback is a gift. And, and so I think it's important to ask for it. it. Doesn't mean, you know, you will follow it, but it does mean that you are taking others' opinions into account, which is really important. Well, Kim, this is one of the few books that I've read where it actually launches the reader into a new place. You've created a fund and you you help people who read the book and have a vision. Can you tell us about that? Oh, yes. Well, my 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 vision is to help motivate and inspire others to achieve their dreams. And when I was bankrupt and unemployed and broke and, you know, just devastated and thought the world was you know, the world was, my world was ending, you know, my, you know, my grandma made a bet on me and she gave me a loan. And, you know, the reality is, is was because no one else would. So she was uh, most likely candidate and, and really right. I want to pay it forward. And I believe that you can still do great things and you can still start with a small loan to get something off the ground. And I created a fund so I could pay that forward and give back. And that's, you know, really all the proceeds of the book go to other funding, other entrepreneurs, as well as I put a million dollars into the fund. And the focus is really to help others achieve their dreams because someone made a bet on me and I'm really want to make big bets on, on other people. Tell us a story of someone that you've helped out through that fund. Oh my gosh. Well, I've invested you know, up to now in over 70 different startups. And I think what's been interesting is there's so many different opportunities from, um, you know, beauty products to real estate, to grass fed beef, to technology companies. And, you know, everyone has their own passion, which I love. And I think it's been interesting to see those passions come to life. So when you're looking at just the individuals that I've, I've backed and, you know, invested in, it's really about, about helping them achieve their dreams. So I recently invested in a, uh, um, brain health supplement, which is really okay. interesting. And I, you know, it's really, um, doctor two stock two Stanford, uh, doctors, a husband and a wife. And, mm -hmm. you know, their story was just, it just really 
captivated me. And I felt, you know, they had the, they had the story, they had the experience and they had, you know, this passion for people and really a natural way of increasing cognitive brain health, or they also have a sleep formula as well. And, you know, just, just really the natural way. And I thought it was really authentic and a great product. And so I, you know, so I'd invested in it and I, I really believe in them and I believe in the opportunity. So there's a market opportunity for that, but there's also, I love the product. So I don't go anywhere without my lively. Uh, and it's amazing. So, you know, you really have to, you have to love what you're, you're investing in. And I do. And so it's finding those opportunities of, of either products or people that you really, you know, people bet on people every single day and someone made a bet on me and it's an opportunity to bet on others. Well, Kim, you're the only person that I know who owns two helicopters and a fighter plane. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And uh, so tell, tell us about how that came to be. And do you, oh do you travel in your helicopter very often? Oh, yeah. Yes, it was just Sunday. Yes, my husband is a stunt pilot. So right. that's how I, that's how I came to, came to have two <laughs> helicopters and a fighter jet, uh, which, you know, you just shake your head and think he loves it and it's his passion. So I am supportive of it, which is amazing. But yes, he does loops and barrel rolls. And I, again, as I mentioned, am very scared of flying. So there's some, there's, <laughs> there's something just funny in here, but I feel that, you know, I, I trust him and, you know, I want him to Want, want him to continue to pursue his passion, which definitely is insane since I said, you know, I definitely am not doing loops and barrel rolls uh, from my day job. So, <laughs> but it does <laughs> definitely fueling his, which is exciting. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, Kim, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. And the first one is this, who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? Oh my goodness. I think honestly, my mother, my mother is just such a heart centered individual and she has, she really practices mindfulness and everything she does. And I feel just really blessed to have such an incredible world model. Oh, that's wonderful. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Kim? I think for me, it's been really great to have a calm. It's really calmed me. I think that would be like the biggest impact. Mm -hmm. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Oh my goodness. It's so important. I think that again, just it grounds you. Like I think that the breathing just grounds you and again, just centers you. And if you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, other than the execution factor, which has a lot of <laughs> mindfulness elements in it, and I highly recommend your book, it's, it's terrific. But uh, what other book would you recommend, Kim? You know, um, there's so many great books, like the number one book I think everyone should read, which is really old. I just think it has so many core principles in it is uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I think if there's one book that anyone should read, I think it's that. It's just very much about the, what the mind believes you're able to achieve. And that includes yes. just a, a well, very centered and well-balanced life. Right, for sure. Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? Oh my gosh, well, I love Headspace. I think it's a great app. I'm sure a lot of people have said that, but I think it's just easy. It's a quick download. It's you know just it's a a very beginner's app, and I think it's a really great. You know, I think it's great for people just getting into mindfulness, and I think that's just it's an easy way. It's on the go, and I think it's a great it's a great app. 
Yes, it really is. I agree with you. Well, Kim, it's been fantastic talking to you about your wonderful book. And I know that Mindful Tribe, you can reach Kim at kimperell.com, K-I-M-P-E-R-E-L-L. Kim, is there anywhere else we, we should connect with you? Oh, my goodness. Well, you could connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's still Kim Perell. And looking forward to hopefully seeing the Mindfulness Tribe out there. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Kim. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Bye now. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. And remember what I mentioned at the top of the show, this sleep naturally guided meditation that I have for you just for Mindful Tribe members. It's to help you receive the deep, easy sleep that you deserve. Sleep naturally and you'll be able to fall asleep easily, get more work done tomorrow and feel better about it. Rest comfortably without effort. Go to mindfulnessmode.com slash sleep for your free download. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep Mindfulness Mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.